Good morning. I want to tell you a story about a parakeet. Anyone had a parakeet? The parakeet's name was Chippy, and he never saw this coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, the next he was sucked up, washed up, and blown over. The problem began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and put it in the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick it up. She barely said hello when <laughs> Chippy got sucked up. The bird owner gasped, <gasps> put down the phone, turned off the vacuum and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. Since the bird was covered in dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the tap and held Chippy under the running water. Then realized that Chippy was soaked and shivering. She did what any compassionate bird owner would do, compassionate. Um, she reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with the hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she said, said Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. In fact, he just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why, why sucked in, washed up and blown over, that poor bird felt that way. That's enough to steal the song from the stoutest of hearts, isn't it? Poor Chippy, it seemed he faced one battle after another. Life wasn't a bed of roses for him, and equally, as the song says, we were never promised a rose garden here on earth, regardless of our choices, our uh, lifestyle, our, our religion, our vocation, whatever. Life will always have its ups and downs, its positives, its negatives, its cleanliness and its filth. It may seem that we are often fighting all kinds of battles and sometimes it's just hard to keep standing. Sometimes in the midst of these battles, it's hard to conduct ourselves as Christians in the right way. Our battle may be earthly battles, but of course we know that there are a whole lot of spiritual battles going on as well. And I'm often keep in my mind the words in 1 Peter 5 that reminds me to be alert and be sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, be, to devour. These battles are designed to, to confuse us, to make us insecure, to make us fearful, to draw us away from God. And in our Bible reading this morning here is Paul writing to the Philippians whilst he's in prison. He's in the middle of the battle and he says here, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. If you remember from a few weeks ago when we were looking at Ephesians, he gave a similar charge to the church there, Ephesus, when he says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This involves leaning on Jesus for support, relying on him to get us through the life's tough times, putting on that armor of God that we spoke about in Ephesians when the, when the battles come and the persecution follows. You know, the word conduct has social implications. It's Greek word, it's the Greek word for politios, where we get our word politics. 
The verb indicates a civic duty to be active in one's community. Paul is stating that our faith needs to be public. We're not secret believers, even in the face of persecution. We have responsibilities of, as citizens of heaven, a high calling. We govern ourselves by the gospel, our highest authority. So here in our Bible reading, Paul, in these three verses this morning, gives three essentials, instructions for us as, as to how we conduct ourselves well as Christians, in particular in times of conflict and persecuting when we're in the battle. He says three, these three things, consistency, cooperation, and confidence. So let's look at them. Firstly, consistency. Consistency in living the Christian life. That first verse in 27 says what happened, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I have become a great fan of vintage. Yes, some people know what it is. Basically, it's a website, it's an app that um, you can buy and sell secondhand clothes and accessories. You can sell and get yourself a bit of spending money, which you can then use to buy other stuff on Vinted. Or you can have the money transferred to your bank account and do what you want with it then. Now, it's changed my way of shopping and allowed me to have some things that I wouldn't normally pay for or couldn't afford the full price for in a new shop, in a shop if it was new. So some things that you can buy, they've never been used. Perhaps they were gifts, unwanted gifts or unused gifts. Some things have been used and you make the choice from the pictures and the description if you're happy enough to buy them. When you buy or sell something, Vinted asks you to leave feedback for the buyer. Was everything as it was described in the listing? Was the item sent pro promptly and for the seller, did the buyer pay on time? If the buyer or seller didn't do what they were supposed to or lied about their product, then the review is recorded under their name so everyone can see just how reputable they are. People do make judgments on whether or not they buy from a seller if they have a poor rating. Well, I do anyway, although if I really want the product, sometimes I give them the benefit of the doubt. People try hard to satisfy whoever they're dealing with, because they, want that feed, they don't want that feedback to be negative. They don't want that feedback against their name from a complete stranger. And it's amazing how hard people try to be nice to others and do the right thing if their own name is on the line. Your world is watching you and rating you as a Christian, and me. Think of the places that you go, the conversations that you have each week. How would you rate your conduct in a manner worthy of the gospel on a scale of 1 to 10? Better yet, perhaps, how would your family and friends rate you who perhaps see you warts and all on the same scale? People see you and I from a different perspective than we do ourselves. What about the times when we face difficulties and conflict? There are danger times, aren't they, when we let our guard down and we act on impulse. Paul is telling us that we need to be consistent in our conduct when the tough times come, when we're under attack. Katie and I were in the car um, one day this week, and there was a car in front of us that had the fish symbol on the back of it. 
And I said, oh, look, Kate, there's a fish symbol on the back of that car. And she asked me what it meant. And I, I know we've had this discussion before, so I don't know why she was asking me. Anyway, I explained, of course, that, the, that this was the secret symbol of people who were Christians when the Christian church was just starting and they were fearing persecution. Um, and so they used it as a sign to tell people that they were meeting. And now everyone knows what that symbol is of Christianity, although apparently Katie doesn't. And, it used to, and it's used quite widely. And people like to have stickers on their cars and other things like bookmarks and all that with the, on the, to, to, you know, to say perhaps that they're Christian. And Katie then asked, why don't we have it? And my answer was, because we don't. <laughs> and that was a great answer. Um, because that, well, it wasn't a great answer. Because, you know, I know that people make all sorts of judgments about you because of your driving. <laughs> and uh, have that sticker on the back of your car. And, uh, <laughs> and we know that sometimes, especially driving around Birmingham, um, our driving may not result in the conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ. <laughs> No, not mine, of course. I'm, I'm perfect. <laughs> uh, when I wear this uniform, of course, and when I perhaps wear my cross necklace, when I post on social media, when I walk through the town or go into a shop with this on, when I'm chatting to the school mums outside school, when I'm speaking to people out on the door or on the phone, I know that my world is watching me. And at those times, my conduct needs to be consistent and be worthy of the gospel of Christ, even when I'm under attack, and yes, even when I'm driving around Birmingham. Paul was encouraging the people of Philippi to do the right thing in their faith as Christians, even under persecution and in conflict, to be worthy of the name of Christian and be consistent in that. How's your conduct rating? Are you consistent? We all have our days, our good days and our bad days. We're not perfect every day as much as we would like to be. But let's try to conduct ourselves worthy in a manner worthy of the gospel at all times. Not just when things are good, when things are easy. The story is told that Alexander the Great once met a lazy good-for-nothing soldier in his army. And he asked his name and the soldier replied, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great then said, either change your name or change your ways. It's possible that Christ could say these words to some of us today. We bear the name of Christian. We are named after Christ. Consistent living for Christ is needed in order to come, overcome the conflict. I wonder, do you need to change your ways today? And then we look at our second instruction, cooperation. Cooperation in the church. In the second half of verse 27, it says, Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the, for the, faith of the gospel. Stand firm in one spirit striving as one for the faith. Paul is talking about cooperation in the body of Christ here. During World War II, Hitler commanded all religious groups to unite so that he could control them. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time. Those who didn't faced harsh persecution. In almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. 
And when the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep within the groups and there was much tension. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. Leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat and for several days, each person spent time in prayer, examining their own heart in the light of Christ's command. Then they came together. Francis Schaeffer, who told of the incident, asked a friend who was there, what did you do then? And he said, well, we were just one, he replied. As they confessed their hostilities and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of the true follower of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in his first letter to the church at Corinth, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. If there was ever a divided church, it was Corinth. You name it, and it seemed that they were divided over it. Most of us would not have been want wanted to be members of that church. No church is immune to division and disunity. We know that. Years ago, Leslie Flynn wrote a book called Great Church Fights. And in it, he chronicled the way people in different churches would go after each other, all in the name of Jesus Christ. And he told the story of a young father who heard a commotion out in his garden. And he looked outside and saw his daughter and her several friends in a heated quarrel. And when he intervened, the daughter called back and said, Dad, we're just playing church. If we're going to stand firm against the spiritual battles, if we want to move forward and flourish and be fruitful as God's family, we must pull together and cooperate for the cause of Christ. Even if we don't always agree, we can still do that in a loving way and rise above it. There must be cooperation in the church. We must be united together and stand together if we're going to stand firm against the, that devil prowling around and causing chaos and fear and insecurity in our individual lives and as a church family. We may not agree on everything, but we certainly agree on Jesus. Let's keep him the focus. And thirdly, confidence. Confidence in faith. He says in verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. This verse begins with the words, without being frightened. It's difficult not to be afraid in those tough times and in those conflicts that we face, isn't it? It's difficult not to be afraid when we are persecuted for our faith in some way. Whilst we may not face the dangers of the early church or some Christians in other countries, we are increasingly, in this country, being challenged and discredited, perhaps, and that may only get worse for us. John Wesley has always um, thought he was a true Christian, until one day his ship was caught in a terrible storm in the Atlantic, and fear gripped his heart. The people on board, however, did not seem to be afraid. They were a little group of Moravian missionaries. And, they, and when the storm subsided, Wesley asked one of them, were you not afraid? Afraid, said the Moravian missionary. Why should I be afraid? I know Christ. And then he looked at Wesley and he frankly asked, do you know Christ? In Wesley's case, 
the enemy was not only that storm, but also the lack of faith in Christ. What about us? Fear is a common factor that affects all of us in one way or another, doesn't it? We all fear something. I wonder what is your greatest fear? Fear of death? Fear of not having enough money to live? Fear of not achieving? Fear of not being in control? Fear of losing your health or your mind? Fear of what will happen to you or your children? Fear of you being alone? Fear of persecution of your faith? All of us have fears that we have to face. Some are real. Some we make more real than they really are. But fear itself is a very real thing that we all battle with. We must have a confidence in faith, in, in our faith in Christ, that we are going to overcome the life battles and the spiritual battles against the enemy that's prowling around and seeking to bring down God's kingdom. When we have that confidence, we can share that gospel, that God is a great God, and that you, I, shall not fear though darkened clouds may gather around me, because we are in the Almighty's hands. This week I was reminded of this poem that always just speaks to me very loudly. It's called Dark Moments, and it says this. It should come up on the wall. All shall be well. She must have said that, sometimes through gritted teeth. Surely she knew the moments when fear gnaws at trust. The future loses shape. Gethsemane. The courage that says all shall be well doesn't mean feeling no fear, but facing it, trusting God won't let go. All shall be well doesn't deny present experience but roots it deep in the faithfulness of God, whose will and gift is life. All shall be well. That's confidence in faith. These battles that we face in life are, are surmountable, both the physical and the spiritual, with almighty, ever-present God. But we need to believe that and believe that he is able. And when we do, that we, we draw on his or our strength to stand firm and overcome. And as we do that, we become people who conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. People who stand firm together and live and speak out that gospel because of our faith in the one who has called us and the one who shares in our sufferings and our battles. And so, as we just take some time to spend in prayerful reflection, now I wonder what you're facing just now. Are you facing some battles? Perhaps you're struggling with the consistency of your conduct. Maybe the rating isn't so good at the moment. Perhaps the battle you're facing is to maintain coming to this church and being united within the church, family. Perhaps you've got an issue with someone and you need to resolve it and let it go. Perhaps you're struggling with your faith and the enemy is prowling around, causing you to doubt or take your focus off the Almighty. Well, let's all draw near to God and find strength in him this morning. And as we do, we're going to sing this beautiful prayer that says, Hide me now under your wings. Cover me within your mighty hand. When the oceans rise and thunders so roar, 
I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. Know his power in quietness and trust. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. He is the almighty. No one is greater. I will be still and know you are God. Take this time to be still, to receive from him what you need, to be standing firm, to face the battle. Let's just be reminded a wee bit of the tune, Louise, and then let's sing this beautiful prayer together. sing this prayer together hide me now you know it's been a busy morning there's been lots going on around us let's not be afraid of a little bit of silence now in the quietness let's just close our eyes and just speak to the Lord in the silence and allow him to speak to us perhaps give us some strength give us some guidance for whatever battle or whatever conflict
that you might be struggling with just now. And you need his reassurance. You need his guidance. Let's not be afraid of the silence as we speak to him just now. Almighty, merciful God, send your power on us as we sang right at the beginning of this meeting. Rescue us and restore us. When we feel oppressed, Lord Jesus, bring peace to our souls and free us from evil. When we feel disheartened, Lord Jesus, bring joy to our souls and lift our spirits. And when we feel let down, Lord, Bring love to our souls and restore our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to live in a way, in a conduct which is worthy of the gospel, of your gospel. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus who came to guide us, to show us how to live and to give us fullness of life. May we know what that is this week. Amen.